0: You're listening to a Radio Stockdale podcast. Podcasts that are inspiring, interactive, and feature various discussions of leadership, ethics, and law. Welcome Philosophy at the Movies, a podcast rediscuss themes and the history of philosophy through the medium of films. I'm Alex Baker, and joining me as always, Sean Baker, and today's topic is the 1999 film, Afterlife. So this is a Japanese movie, and it is, I guess you would say it's something of a fantasy, I guess, because it takes place in this way station. It's not purgatory. No. It's like a way station for people who've just recently died. They come here, and they spend about a week here. And th- the thing is, they ha- within a week, they have to tell these workers who are at the station this memory. They're the best memory of their lives. One, One memory, single
1: memory. Yes.
0: And th- during this week the people at the station have to recreate it almost like they're making a movie. They have to yeah. do it with props and sets and all these artificial surroundings. And we'll talk about this later. One of the things, this may be this afterlife, but there's no magic or you <laughs> no. know, fantastic CGI imagery or anything. It's pretty it's no. about as low tech as you can get. <laughs> yes. It's like a low a low budget uh college theater adaptation <laughs> yes, yes. so they but once they do that they have this special screening of this memory and once that week passes they will be spending eternity reliving that memory yes. the, the greatest memory of their lives yes and so we follow all these people and particularly the workers at this way station one of the um main people who work at this way station is a man named Kashi, Kashi, who is connected pretty closely to Watanabe, as we will see. Watanabe was a 70-year-old man. He passed on, and he is one of the people that is having a hard time coming up with a memory. Yeah. He tells he was married for a very long time, but it wasn't exactly... It was just sort of a marriage of convenience. It wasn't a very... It was a passionate romantic marriage. It was apparently arranged, and we discover later
1: uh, that um, uh, Watanabe married this woman after she had lost her one true love, who uh, we we discover later in the film was, in fact, Takashi. Yeah,
0: Takashi, even though he's a young man... He died in 1945 during World War II, and so and he was only 22 years old. Yeah. But he's been going around these different way stations. Yes. And he realizes that Watanabe, yeah, you said Watanabe was married to the woman he was going to marry. But... Yes.
1: And what's kind of neat about the film, I, I like the the premise that the the people uh, appear uh, in these ways, the people that have just died appeared in these way stations. Uh, at the age they actually uh, perished. Yes. And so it's a little bit of an interesting twist when we discover that Takashi is, uh, in fact, the same age as Watanabe and from that same
0: generation. Even older, I think. Yeah.
1: And they, they actually you know, have a, a discussion about uh uh, the fact that they have more in common than at first seems to be yeah. the case. They realize, like, well, the, that,
0: like, the marriage of convenience is like, well, that was common for our generation. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I, I really like that. I really like that uh, part of the film.
0: I, I like the interaction
1: between those two characters a lot, it really was intriguing.
0: Yeah, and then, but eventually with um, Takashi, once Watanabe finally settles on this memory, it was particularly later on in his with his wife, and they're at the park, and they decide to go see a movie together. And it kind of goes back to the very first time they had a date. He said he liked movies. It was sort of an awkward conversation, but they never saw a movie together. Yeah. But then they decide, you know what? Let's go see a movie together. Well, You said you liked movies on our first date, and we never went to one, so let's go to one now. And yeah. that's the memory he sort of chooses. Yeah. But that inspires Takashi So realizing because actually Watanabe figures it out and he writes a letter thank you for you know respecting me and yes I understand your feelings that inspires Takashi because it's revealed that the people who are stuck at this way station the workers they are stuck there because they couldn't come up with a memory yeah
1: they either would not or could. could not
0: yeah so but this inspires Takashi to finally come up with a memory because this other woman that works at the way station they have a relationship and she helps him and she goes through his wife's memory when she passed on and it was a memory of them together at the park yeah and so that inspires him to finally come up with that memory and at the end he finally moves on and is able to spend the rest of eternity reliving his greatest memory yeah but um and then you see other people even though there's there's one guy who was also died very young and he feels that he never had he upset that he didn't really have a great life so he he refuses yes and so he it's sort of implied that he's going to be one of he, replacing takashi yes. at the station yeah there was a couple of elderly women one was a former prostitute and she's trying to remember she liked the some of her clients who were more friendly and coming right. towards her, but she chooses a different memory. Mm-hmm. There was a w- young girl, she's a teenager and she was going to choose a memory of a trip to Disneyland. But the one woman that works there, she pulls them off and say, this is sort of a common memory. If you want yours to be really special, choose something else. And it was an early memory when she was with her mother. Yes, But uh, yeah, this is a, I saw this once a while ago, about four or five years ago. I remember really liking it, and mm-hmm. it's still really good. I, I love the interactions, and I love the fact that even though this is, like I said, this is takes place in a way station in the afterlife, there's no magic CGI imagery or tricks or anything. It's extremely low-tech. One of the things I thought was kind of funny is when they're trying to give Watanabe inspiration to memories, they give him like his you know, videos of his former life. It's not this. It's not a Blu-ray, even though this no, is, is low-tech. No, it's a, cra- a crappy they're, they're VHS saying, copy. You've
1: got to sit down with us. You know, the, the thing I really like about it is you get the impression um, uh, they're not quite just bureaucrats doing a job. They're more like social workers doing a job. Yes. And they get um, they do get very involved with and concerned for their customers. And you and you really get a feel over the course of the film that you've been through a week, not just
0: yeah. What, the whole an film hour has and a 40 very documentary minutes. feel.
1: Yeah, it has a documentary feel. I think they actually, if I'm not mistaken, did interview, uh, 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 carry out actual interviews with the people that are involved in the film about their lives, and then incorporated it um, I believe. Yes. Yeah, some you know? of
0: those, what we see at the very beginning when they're having that first interview, a lot of those aren't scripted. Yeah. Hirokazu Her- Koreeda, the director planned did that on a purpose. And you
1: can really tell. And so you get this, you get the feel that you've been through the week and, and you've really seen, uh, the social workers as they were, uh, uh grow very close to and concern for, uh, uh their customers. And, um, uh, It's interesting, I like the, I'm I'm intrigued by the dichotomy between the two groups, because I know the first question that uh, kind of popped into my mind when I, I got a feel for the premise was, why on earth would you want to pick only one memory and basically have perfect amnesia for the rest of your life, and find that appealing as a way to uh, live in 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 uh, the afterlife. Yeah, this you is know, something you're spending eternity repeating, doing. I guess. Yeah. And and I don't know if that's very appealing. What I find particularly interesting is in the case of both. To, uh, uh Takashi and Shiori uh his, you know kind, she's kind of his love interest in the, in the film you know they, they develop this attachment with each other but um they also uh over uh time um find more fulfillment uh personal fulfillment in in this service they are social workers after all and it seems like to be it seems to be the case that um the director's trying to drive that point home. The most fulfilling parts of a person's life don't really have to do necessarily with something that they've attained or acquired. I won't say selfishly, but, you know, uh, uh, primarily focused on some something uh, uh, of their own interest. It, it's always, in almost every case in this um, uh, film, it's always the case that it's has something to do with uh, connections with others, either through service or through emotional connections, right? And they actually kind of form this bond, and she's willing, uh, as a result of that bond, to let loose of Takashi and help him move on. Um, I think that's very profound, and I I think you see that in in some other characters, too, in particular uh, um, with uh, Watanabe. I think that the power of that scene in the park, with his uh, wife, who, uh, as we've mentioned before, was a wife through arranged marriage after she had lost Takashi uh, toward the end of World War II, her true love. Um, uh, there's no animosity between uh, uh, Watanabe and her, but there's just there's not a romantic connection. Yet they live together. And they kind of adapt together and and respect each other. Um, But you see also um, in the flashbacks that Watanabe tends to be occupied with other things, in particular his career. And she is more or less just kind of uncomplainingly serving him, as I guess the traditional wife is expected to do, especially back during that time period. And at some point he recognizes that fact. Right, and he decides in that park. Well, you know, from now on, I'm going to make sure that weekly we go out and we go to the film with each other, so that we uh, not only can I, as it were, pay you back for the service, but but so we can we can provide a connection. We can have a connection with each other. And he looks back after t- looking at all those VHS tapes. He keeps saying, <laughs> idiot, an idiot. You're, you're an idiot. You, know, you just kept kind of gliding through life and not even connecting with anybody, and let alone the, your wife. Finally, you get it right, right there, right there. That's what I want to have.
0: Yeah, and I suppose, I think it's mentioned he, just, he died soon after that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. so I, I thought that was very powerful. And uh, uh, the, again, the, the connection with Takashi is powerful he recognized uh, 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 Watanabe recognized who he was when he gave him the date of his death he put two and two together realized oh my god that was my wife's uh first uh romantic interest the guy she would have married and so he writes that very touching note said I-, I really appreciate the fact that you you uh um didn't say anything about that and you and you uh, uh treated it with a kind of a silent respect. And what's, I think, interesting about Takashi is he, he says, as he's talking about that letter, that's not why I did it. I did it because I didn't want to personally um, um, uh, confront the uh, the pain of telling him, which is interesting. I, I don't know what to make of that, but it, it's kind of interesting that, uh, you know, there was um, that connection, that level of respect from Watanabe for Takashi. Again, a connection between two people of the same generation that would not have occurred if he was in fact a 20-year-old or 24-year-old or however old he's supposed to be, where Watanabe was in his 70s.
0: And if we talk about this way station, one of the things that is brought up is that the idea of a heaven and a hell is not relevant in this. Is No matter what you did, even if you're as awful as a murderer or Hitler or you're the greatest person, somebody like Mother Teresa, you're doing the same thing. Yeah. And I wonder if that, I mean, we see all the people that are part of this, they're more average, everyday people. There's nobody there that's bad. Yeah. I wonder if that dilemma when you're bringing into this, should there have been an evil person, somebody who committed horrible crimes or did terrible things? And maybe the social workers' reaction to that, and if especially if it's a memory of something horrific they did, but they gave them the sadistic pleasure out of it, yeah, would that give something of a conscience to the social workers? Like, I don't want to do this, this is you know, the repugnant, yeah,
1: I, I that's a good question. I, I it actually never occurred to me what would happen if you if you. Put some truly reprehensible people in the system here. Because you
0: imagine um, they would have to. They right? would have to. There's not going to be you know, all good people. There's going to be yeah. bad people, too.
1: Yeah. And it, it, I, I, I don't know what would have happened with the film if they did explore that. Um, I think it would have uh, maybe taken away some of the charm of the film because its message is to the vast majority of mankind who are regular people, like the people that you see in the film here. Um, it might have turned into a very intense moral drama in that case. Um, and perhaps, um, perhaps what would happen with those people um, would be that if they made the, ro- the kind of the wrong choice to relive one of those moments where they did terrible things to other people, um, they would be forced. In some way or another to uh, uh, take a position on this social worker staff and uh, help other people, maybe victims of crimes similar to those that they uh, inflicted on others until they kind of got the message. Um, because, again, the, connect, the, the, the message, the common message here always seems to be that the most fulfilling things in life are those that involve connections with and or service to others. Now, that raises a question. If that was the case, if these people are truly sociopaths, is that a doomed cause? Would they ever react that way? I tend to think probably not. Um, In that case, I think... I think the, the imaginary universe here of this film would have to go ahead
0: and include a hell, <laughs>
1: yeah, and just take those people and put them right back where they belong. That's you know? my one
0: complaint with the movie. If you are yeah. bringing in this idea of there is no heaven and no hell, then people are going to think like, wait, they're going to have to deal with some pretty sick people through this thing if everybody's coming. Yeah. So I just, you, you, it's good you're bringing up something. I wish they just would have maybe had in a sentence or two just explain like, yeah, we've had some pretty tough people. Let me tell you, it was not fun working yeah. with them or just something. Like
1: Something that. like that, and that would also be tr- more true to the social worker model, too, because all social workers, be they in uh, 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 um, um, prison systems or you know, uh, 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 cha- systems uh, school systems or whatever, uh, they do run into hard cases like that that are, uh, you can't reach, and, and they have to ask themselves difficult questions about their job. And how best to uh, deal with people like that? What do you do? Lock them up for life? Do you give up on your uh, uh, profession because you've had these sorts of difficult cases? They don't. They don't explore any of that. And I think part of the reason I think he's he's just wanting to have n- normal everyday people uh, kind of reflect on their lives and the uh, the role uh, memories play in the formation of personal identity too. Uh, I think that's an intriguing thing here um, the the part of the uh, like the part of the premise that I found a little bit uh, unsettling was the fact that you are basically being asked to give up all of your memories except one right and and then that's that will be what you live in this afterlife. Curiously, after you watch a filmed version of it. <laughs> Now, are you going to relive the filmed version or the actual version? I, I, what I find um,
0: interesting is I think it's not necessarily concerned with 100% accuracy. Yes. It's just with creating this filmed part and with all the cheap background sets. And one yeah. thing I thought was interesting, one guy was trying to be a pilot and he was one time he flew a plane. And they're, they're not flying a plane, but they get a, yeah. you know, a prop of a Cessna and they're like, you know, big. Cotton balls as clouds and blue yeah. backgrounds, are pretending it like it's a flight, and that's supposed to give him the that impression. experience. Or yeah. the one guy I remember was a time when he drove a tr- uh, trolley, yeah, and there's there, a passenger in, on it, yeah. yeah. And they recreate a little a set of a trolley, and they have a little boombox playing train sounds, yep. and it gives him that experience. So it's not necessarily a hundred percent accuracy; just as long as it hits those emotions for it brings you, brings you back counts. to what you felt when you remembered.
1: Yeah, that's what counts. And that, that that's an interesting, uh, interesting commentary on memory, anyway. You know, because uh, once you kind of sit down and think about it, uh, especially with the passage of time. Um, we tend to have uh, a significant amount of control over um, uh, the content of our memories. You know, it's not quite so easy in the immediate aftermath of an event to recall it in any way other than it actually occurred. But with the passage of time... Uh, We tend to uh, edit and make additions or subtractions to memories uh, in in, uh, ways to make them uh, more palatable, easier to take if they're painful ones. Right. Or maybe even better than they were if they're more positive ones. Um, We all do that. We all do that. And you can see this film or this social work. Company uh, along with the director. I love the director, by the way. He cracks me up. This little guy with the little lens and everything. Mm-hmm. Classic. Um, but uh, uh, that's their kind of their business. You know, they're they're um, uh, uh, taking the memories and, as you said, kind of dressing them up in some way or another to to make them more uh, uh, pleasant, fulfilling. And something that you would be willing to relive over and over again, um, but again, I mean it always goes back to i don't i don 't think most people would be willing to give up ninety nine point nine nine percent of their memories and just relive only one so if 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 it was my guess um, people as they uh uh, die and enter this, this world and go to this one of these way stations. And this is another thing I liked about it, the fact that there's more than one. And people are being circulated mm-hmm. around the way stations in and the social work like a, jobs. Not, it's a bureaucracy. Yeah. It's, it's, I love it. That's a great idea. But anyway.
0: And if it's not mistaken, there's a little city around it, isn't there? Because we yeah. see on um, the one tour, yeah. she tours around a little city outside of the station. So yeah. it seems like a lot of people aren't necessarily choosing that because... At the end, yeah. one of the people we talked about, he chooses to not do this, yeah. and he's now working at the way station. So I feel yeah. like a lot of people probably would be like, you know what? I think I better be just on this way station and continue a, to have something of a life and a yeah, conscience a, a instead of, of just being stuck eternally in one memory. Yeah,
1: you're, you're, you're actually choosing to be yourself. Yes. Because if you choose to just live in one memory, you, you're basically excising a vast majority of yourself, right? Because we are all constituted by our memories. Um, you know, if, if, if you think about hypothetical cases and, and real cases uh, of people that have had complete and utter amnesia occur to them, um, it's quite accurate to describe that as the person dying. And what's left over is still a conscious human being but in a way, it's a conscious human being that's kind of a tabula rasa, uh, a blank slate, uh, a, merely a kind of a center of experience. And they've ceased, uh, you know, being that, that, that former person and this, this other person's kind of popped into existence in their place, even though one in the same human body has continued to uh, be in that space and function. Um, I don't think most people would choose that. And it's intriguing you brought up that city. Now, the way I read the city was when she was kind of scouting out locations. That, that's what mm-hmm. she was doing for the filming. I just assumed that she was kind of like a you know a ghost. And this was some extant city. And, so it's
0: the real world and
1: she's uh, yeah, just going it, down to visit? Yeah, it could be. But I think he's left it ambiguous on purpose because if you're right... Then a vast majority of people apparently have chosen not to do this, um, um, uh, and you you then wonder, well, what's the rationale for having the, the 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 organization doing this work if so few people choose it? So I don't know what to make of that. Yeah, but um, at any rate, uh, I, I, I think I'm right in in. The judgment that most people would say, thanks, but no thanks. If I have to, I'll be a social worker in your company. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not just going to pick one, no matter how pleasant it may be. A, that's got to be monotonous after a while. B, I would cease being myself because I've excised a vast majority of what actually constitutes me, my memories, the emotions connected with those memories and and you know the, the the various moral purposes you have and other purposes you have in life all of a sudden cease existing as well so you're you're almost like that person with the uh, perfect amnesia suddenly uh popping into existence and not quite knowing who you are and how you got there i'm not quite sure most people would want to do that
0: i think because this whole film is about Memories and what makes us human. I would say the thing that comes to my mind immediately is Blade Runner, where you have the replicants; these memories are implanted into them. Yeah. But they, when they have them implanted, they f- makes them feel human. Like in, in particular, we talked about the sequel not too long ago, and how this one character, you know, adds all these little touches and little details to the memory to make them more human. And you're thinking, even though, yes, they're replicants, but they have so much attachment to these memories, aren't they also human? Yeah. And I think it comes back to also this movie, too. Like yeah. The memories, these experiences, getting it down to one, almost defines their life. The ones that gave them the most joy maybe gave them so much hope or happiness throughout their entire life, something they continuously went back to.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's interesting you you bring up that particular film because this this film is, in a way, a kind of a photographic negative of, the, of that process where you're taking a human being or a clone of a human being and through technology, you're implanting the entirety of the memories of somebody else, right? In essence, you're creating a uh, mental and psychological clone, and moral clone of that original person in the replicant, right? Right. And you're doing that because you're putting the entire panoply of this person's uh, memories and experiences, recordings of those experiences, in that uh, replicant body. In this film, like I said, it's kind of a photographic negative in a way. Uh, You are taking out all of a person's uh, memories, emotional experiences, uh, purposes in life, so forth, and leaving only the memory of one event and saying, hey, would you like to live like that? And I think, uh, again, once you've had that full panoply of experiences and so forth, you wouldn't want to give it up, Uh, even with the negative stuff. I don't think you'd want to give it up because you literally are choosing to die in that case. And you can see that kind of in the, in the Case of replicants who only have a a very short uh, lifespan, right? They're almost, in some cases, saying, "Why did you implant so many memories when you, when, when uh, we're basically doomed to live these very short lives?" That's unnecessarily cruel. Uh, Not, not respecting our persons. You created a person. Now you've got to respect the person. All right. Uh, so something similar, I, I think, would be a completely legitimate complaint in the universe of uh, uh, the film Afterlife as well. I, uh, it's a peculiar film for that reason. I, I'm surprised most of the characters are eager to go along with the with the project. Plus, they're being pressured. They only get two days get to no, figure it yeah. out, and then three more days to film the uh, the uh, memory. I'm surprised more people didn't react like uh, uh, Takashi and the young teenager and uh, um, Watanabe and just say, wait a minute, hold on.
0: I'm not sure if I want to do this at all. Yeah, so uh, getting close to the end of my questions here, um, one thing I did want to bring up is that there was a, one thing, because I, cause I wanted, what inspired me to come up with this was there was a movie that just came out recently called uh, Nine Days and it it's this um sort of a way station but it's these souls that come in for 9 days and this guy has to choose which one he wants to be put into a body of a new somebody who was just born but watching that film and especially rewatching this it, that that movie took so much from this not only because of this period but yeah. they're interviewing people this guy particularly Comes up with particularly particular scenarios like you know, you're being taken to a concentration camp, your kids are being taken. Do you defend? Do you go along with it? Well, how do you react? And he's trying mm-hmm. to see what they do, and if somebody's more timid or weak, he lets them go, and the soul is never seen again. But the one that he feels has the strongest resolve selects to be put in that body, and it's a nine day period, but also they're watching other people because he's in charge of these souls so he's watching them on a vhs tape just like in this movie <laughs> and when a few people are casted out because they're not strong enough he says what's something you like i'll recreate that moment before you before you like you disappear into eternity you cease to exist yeah, interesting um it's a good movie but i if you watch it again especially like i said watching this movie it's just clear this was a primary influence, and it gets—it's it's a different story, but it's a lot it's taking from this. And I don't want to say it ripped it off, but it owes a lot to this movie. It, more, it than, sounds but, like it, and it's interesting that uh,
1: uh, it takes the premise of the disembodied soul uh, before incarnation. All right, and they're de- determining where which particular yes. body that this and soul will be put in, and, he also and has situation. A, I'm yeah, assuming, and he watches
0: yeah. people he's in charge of, people who have already been born. And be- at the beginning of this film, one of the people he's looking over was this childhood prodigy. She's like this brilliant uh, piano, uh violin player, but uh-huh. she, for some reason, he doesn't know why, she committed suicide, and so he's why he's choosing for somebody who's a bit more aggressive, who's stronger, has a resolve, refusal to put up with anything yeah. is what he's looking for. But there's also this one who's more free spirited, but he's just afraid that she's going to end up like what that one person did. That's very interesting. It's a good movie, but yeah. I was just watching. It's like, oh, man, they really took a lot from yeah. this movie. Yeah.
1: And, you know, uh, just the, the, the i, well, the idea of um, uh, disembodied souls, uh, um, uh, existing in some sense and then being incarnated in bodies. It's an old one, right? It's, it's been around a long time. Um, that, that reminds me a little bit of kind of, I guess, the converse of that story. Uh, uh, there's a very famous philosophical thought experiment. I won't go into too much detail on it, but it was invented by a guy named John Rawls, a political philosopher. His idea was, well, roughly this. Um, um, imagine... That, um, you know, uh, on a date specific next week, God says, okay, I'm going to take all your souls out of your individual bodies. And uh, then after a certain period of time, I will randomly assign those souls to other bodies. I can guarantee you won't be in, in your, uh, pre, your, your present body again. But you will, you will appear in some other human body. Unfortunately, you don't know anything about that, uh, that person and that person's circumstance beforehand. And I'm doing that on purpose because I want you now, you've got a week. (laughs) I want you now to, uh, uh, hash it out together and figure out what rules, uh, the society of which you will be a part, uh, will, uh, be in place? What rules will govern it? What rules do you think will be fair and just and equitable? Because I'm going to take your suggestions on that. You're going to act like a legislature here and uh, I'm going to put those rules in place in that future world. So you have to take into account all possibilities with regard to what kind of human being you'll be what race you'll be, what gender you'll be, how rich you'll be, how poor you'll be, what kind of uh, intellectual capacities you have, and so forth, right? And it's a, it's obviously a, a mechanism for uh, um, uh, doing uh, moral and political philosophy. It's very interesting. And I'm kind of surprised that uh, no movie has taken it as a premise. We've seen with our two cases here that uh, and that one, um, Nine nine days. Yeah, I mean, you could um, almost even say... say they're the, playing with that premise a little bit. Yeah. But it, the variation's on the theme. But I'd be very intrigued. It'd be a hell of a stage play, I think. Maybe not so much a film. But for somebody to take Rawls's... It's called the original position. So maybe that would be a good title for the film. Take that thought experiment and turn it into a, an actual debate yeah, I mean, on... Film. Maybe
0: not yeah. quite it, but kind of close would be. I guess here comes Mr. Jordan, which was later turned into um, Heaven Can Wait with Warren Beatty. Yeah, yeah, that, that kind of has that where he's this dead boxer, and then the remake a football player who's put in the body because he was taken to not at the right time of this corrupt. Um, billionaire yeah but because he's taken up he's changing things and becoming a better person and this person who hates him is now in love with them and he's trying to change things but these people who work at trying to kill the billionaire yeah are, are also trying to kill him and but it's the re- constant replacing of the body and it's- yeah
1: then you see you, again you see you see a, a lot of films that Deal in variations, but I've always, every time I see one of these, I think of that John Rawls thought experiment. And think, man, it would be good to make a film out of that, you know, and follow it pretty strictly. Have that debate, and then have them incarnated and have them deal with the consequences of the choices they made in that, as it were, legislative position
0: as disembodied souls. It'd be interesting to see that. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Philosophy at the Movies. You can find this podcast and more podcasts produced by the Stockdale Center by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu. This program is hosted by Radio Stockdale. Here you can also listen to their podcasts such as Ethics of the Naval Warrior and The Do-Over. If you like this podcast, you might be interested in my other podcast, Real Sounds, reach each episode I dedicate to classic movie soundtracks. That can be found online at thesoundofcinema.podomatic.com. So until next time, I'm Alex Baker. And I'm Sean Baker. Saying so long. And be sure to catch us next time on Philosophy at the Movies.